0: But what an honor and a glory to have um, my son, Tyler, to preach the word. He is a pastor at Real Life Wesleyan Church in Mechanicsville, Maryland. He's a student pastor, and he'll explain the rest. It's a media. He has responsibilities for a lot of things that go on the screen and and videos and things like that. But um, today he is with us, and he was asked to preach and speak at our men's conference and did a wonderful job, really did. God used him. And he spoke last night, and you'll enjoy the message that the Lord has given to Tyler. So please give your attention to the Word of God as my son preaches. Well, first I want to say I am just so lucky to be able to be here on Father's Day with such an amazing father. And he gives me a lot of credit, but let's give him a round of applause. He has been uh, just such an inspiration to me, and it's such a joy to be able to grow up as his son and to see him minister and now I'm having the opportunity to follow in his footsteps, and you guys are just so blessed to have such a wonderful senior pastor, and I know uh, I'm excited. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard I'm getting to move up here like in early August, so I'm super excited about that. I'll get to hear a lot more of this guy. But if you all would be willing, please go ahead and stand up with me as I read the scripture. Now, brace yourself. This is a very long scripture verse, so, you know, you might need to stretch a little bit, um, but just get ready for it. All right, it's going to start in Acts chapter 4, and we're going to pick up with verse 36. Okay. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. You did it that I lied. It wasn't that long. You can sit back down. Alright, see, then, (laughs) I'm just, see, if you're wondering why the, like, the, you know, the uh, scripture's kind of short, well, I got to preach this a few weeks ago at my church, and my wife is the children's ministry director, and see, she loves kids, but after a while, they kind of get crazy, so she gives me kisses when I preach short sermons, so I, I, I came up with a short verse so I could keep it nice and quick for her, so hopefully you guys don't mind that, but seriously, I'm really excited to be talking about this one person today, Barnabas. I love to talk about Barnabas because he's just such an amazing person. I read, we read about him in the scripture just a little bit, and you don't have to read much about him to learn that he's just an amazing person. Wouldn't it be great to be such an, just such an impressive, amazing person that they decide, you know what? Joseph isn't even a good enough name for you. We're going to call you Barnabas, son of encouragement. What a great name that would be to have, to be the one thing that you're known for, just being such an encouraging, kind, wonderful person. I hope one day I can be known as a Barnabas, a son of encouragement. And I believe that we're all called to be sons and daughters of encouragement. I hope that in your life you have had the pleasure, you've had the joy of having at least one Barnabas in your life. Maybe you're like me and you've been gifted with with several people who are like Barnabas to you. And I want to tell you about one person in my life who has been like Barnabas to me. And his name's Chad. And I got to meet him uh, back when I was a tiny little boy. And I lived over in uh, like Sunbury, Pennsylvania, when my dad was the pastor at Augustaville, a Wesleyan church over there. And he is a part of the Wrights family, which is quite an interesting group of people. Uh, my dad's laughing for a good reason. And <laughs> the Wrights family, to give you some perspective, wonderful, wonderful family. But the father in particular, very interesting man. He kind of comes up with his own language. It's like a mixture of English, Pennsylvania, Dutch, and then like Kenyanisms. And uh, Kenyanisms are pretty unique. I'll give you, a, for instance, with a, a, kind of like a common sentence Kenny would come up with. He'd be like, ah, Tyler was out there, kikakin' out by the kabi what is a kabibo and he's playing scrabble with kenny was always an adventure he always wins because he just makes up his own words every single time and chad chad is a great guy and when he was born there were several limitations with the things that chad was going to be able to do with his life but he never let that stop him from being a minister he never let that stop him from being a son of encouragement and one of, the, one of the amazing things about Chad, if you ever got to meet him, probably pretty early on, he may ask you for your address, which is something I can never pull off. So if I came up to you and I was like, hey, my name's Tyler, where do you live? Yeah. So, you know, people are like, oh, I don't think I'm really going to tell this guy my address. He seems a little creepy. Uh, but Chad is such a nice guy, he can get away with it. And he's not asking you your address because he's creepy. He's asking you your address because he wants to send you cards. And what a sweet thing to do every Christmas, every Easter. Now I'm married, I'll get them on my anniversaries. He sends cards to me all the time, and not just me, but to so many people. He sends hundreds of cards a week because he wants to encourage people. And not just that, sometimes when, I, my, sometimes when I've gone through really difficult things in my life, when I've lost someone that I cared about, when I got into a bad accident, Chad writes me a letter, and he'll say, You know what, Tyler? God loves you. I love you. You're going to get through this. And he always ends every single card with these three words hang in there. Every single time. And Chad is such an amazing person. So I want to be more like Chad. I want to be more like Barnabas and be known as a son, or for you, possibly a daughter of encouragement. And so I want to talk today about what that means to be a son, a daughter of encouragement, and also what it means to be a minister. And at my church, we have a little saying that we do sometimes, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and have you guys do that as well. So at my church, when the pastor gets up and and they say, who are the ministers at Real Life? Everyone says, we are. But obviously, this isn't Real Life, so I'm going to change it up a little bit on you. I'll see if you guys can follow along. Who are the ministers at the Gospel Chapel? We are. All right, you guys are quick learners. Give yourselves a round of applause. That was very good. You guys did a great job with that. Why do why do we have you say that and I actually got someone showed it in me in your bulletin It says who are the who are the ministers at the gospel chapel and it says everyone am I getting that It says the congregation And why why do we say that because god has called each and every one of you to be a minister And that doesn't mean you step get up on the stage and you dress semi-formally and you talk to people It doesn't just mean you play guitar on stage. It can mean all sorts of things to be a minister may begin at church, but it absolutely should not end there. Your ministry may begin at church, but it should go with you home. It should go with you to your workplace. It should, you should be a minister everywhere you go, because our job as a minister is to reach people for Christ. And sometimes it's tricky to figure that out, but I believe if we study Barnabas, who is an amazing minister, we can pull out some truths from there and find out how we in our lives can be a better minister to the people who God has graced us, the, with the uh, gift to be around. So the first thing that Barnabas did, and he was extremely generous with, in a way he was a minister, is that Barnabas sacrificed his fortune. See, Barnabas, uh, when we read, we read in the scripture, he was a man from Cyprus, which, which was an island that was extremely expensive to live on. It was known for its beautiful vineyards. It was known for as a place that was really hard to be able to live at. And if he, since he lived in Cyprus, it meant two things. One, he had tons of money because it was very expensive to live there. And the other part of it, his family must have had a lot of influence, because you couldn't just, like, have a lot of money and buy your way in. Your family had to have power. So Barnabas was a man of great influence and great power, and he lived in Cyprus, and he saw all the amazing things that were going on in the early church. Barnabas was a man who saw what was going on in the church and he wanted to be a part of it. He saw that the people of the church were selling their possessions, taking care of people. He saw that the church was doing, was doing amazing things and he wanted to not just support it, he wanted to be a part of that. So he sold absolutely everything that he owned so that way he could help the church out. Now Barnabas was a man who had enough, who had enough money, who had enough influence, or he could very easily sat back and given out of the excess that he had. And people still would have thought of him as an extremely generous man. He could have kept his lifestyle. He could have kept his vineyards. He could have kept his life at Cyprus, But he gave it up. And while I don't think we are all called to sell all the things that we have and give it to the church, I do believe we are called to do this. We are called to care more about people and more about God than the things that we own. And I think it's sad when we care more about our car than our neighbor. I think it's sad when we care more about our clothes than the clothes that we could be giving away to help people. And I think it's unfortunate when we get that mixed up. And Barnabas didn't have that problem because he was extremely generous with the things that he owned. And we are called to do the same thing, to be generous with the things that we have because we should care more about people than the things that we have. The second way that Barnabas was extremely generous was with his friendship. Well, one of the people that Barnabas befriended and he was a son of encouragement for was a guy named Paul, and I hope you had a chance to hear about him. He's an amazing missionary and one of the leaders of the early church. But before he was Paul, he was known as something different. Anyone know the name? Saul, he was known as Saul, which was known, who was known for something very, very different. See, Saul was really good at one thing, and that was persecuting Christians. And if you ever want to become unpopular with Christians, start persecuting them. So Saul was extremely unpopular with the Christian crowd. But one day, he had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus, and it changed everything in his life he he saw him on the road and, and he lost his sight and he had an amazing transformation where he came to he stopped persecuting christians to being one of the most fervent one of the one of one of the, just the most excited christians and most capable christians that the early church had to offer well here's the problem for paul see the christians weren't quite ready to accept that Saul is now Paul, and he really loves God and wants to like, be a part of this whole Christian movement. So they were like, you can stay over there because I saw you kill my friend. And then on the other hand, here's the difficult thing. The people who used to be Paul's friends who also persecuted Christians are like, no, no, we do believe that you're a Christian now, so we're going to come after you. So he was stuck in the middle. Paul was a person without a people. But Barnabas had a chance to hear him speak, and he thought, you know what? I'm going to take a risk on this guy. I think God's going to use him. God's going to do amazing things with this Paul person. And Paul, like I said, went on to do amazing things and planted churches all over the place and helped grow the early church. Paul, Paul ended up doing amazing things for God, but he was a friendless person. I'm sure that you guys in your life can think. And you can think of a person who's, that, who's like that. They're friendless. Maybe they burned their own bridges. They made mistakes in their lives. And they put themselves in a situation where they are. And they may may be reaching out to you. And sometimes we keep pushing those people away. But as Christians, we are not called to push people away. We 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 are called to mend relationships and to bring them to Christ. That is what we are called to do. And Barnabas absolutely did that. The third thing that Barnabas was generous with was with his talents and with his energy. Barnabas strengthened the flock. And how did he do that? The first thing he did, he was exemplary. He walked the walk, and he talked the talk. He did the things that he said he would do. He lived the life of a Christian. You could point to Barnabas and be like, that is a man after God's own heart. And I hope that we have people like that here today. I hope that our, in our church at the Gospel Chapel, we can say we are exemplary. We are living the life that we say we are living. And Barnabas did that. The next thing he did, he was excited. The man had passion. And I love what my dad, what my dad was saying about, you know, We cheer for our sports teams, and we get so excited about it. But it's easy and exciting to follow someone else who has a lot of excitement, who has a lot of passion. And it's fun to see Christians who are on fire, and it just makes you want to follow them. And Barnabas was one of those guys. Absolutely. And the third thing he did was he was encouraging, and that was the way he grew the flock. He grew the church. Well, I don't have to talk about this very long. The guy's name was Barnabas, son of encouragement. He used the fact that he could encourage people. He could make people feel better. He could help people see gifts that they had in themselves even when they couldn't see them. He was a man who loved to encourage. And the fourth way he strengthened the flock was he was evangelistic. He was generous with the truth. See, Barnabas knew something amazing. He knew that Christ came, died, rose again, so that way each and every person on this earth can have eternal life through him. Each and every person can have a relationship with with God, we are all called to do the same thing, Amen. and it's so confusing to me when I see Christians who know the truth and they've been walking the, and they've been walking the life with God and having a relationship with Him for a long time, yet their life is filled with broken people who don't know Christ. And maybe you could even go to their workplace and be like, "Hey, did you know that? Did you know that John was a Christian?" And they're like, "I don't know." And I, if there's someone here named John, I'm I'm not picking on you, but. Uh, You say, is John a Christian like, oh, I had no idea he went to church. How sad is that? How sad is it that we can go our lives and not tell people about Christ? That we have people in our lives that we say we love, that we say we care for, yet we're not willing to share the truth of Christ with. We need to be willing to be generous with the truth. The fourth thing, and this is of all the things that Barnabas did that impresses me the most, is that he shuns the fame. Barnabas kept the main thing the main thing. And what I mean by that is this. At the end of the day, the thing he cared about the most was seeing people come to Christ. And he didn't care what God was going to call him to do. He didn't care about what position he was going to have in the church. He kept the main thing, the main thing. And how can I say that? Well, for a long time, it was was known as Barnabas and Paul. And they went along, and they did a lot of great things. And at some point, I don't know exactly how this went down, But maybe Barnabas knows that Paul is a little bit better of a speaker than him. Maybe Paul is a little just more charismatic. He's a little more magnetic, and people just kind of come and flock to him. And and Barnabas must have realized that, you know, although I may be the leader and, and Paul is the one helping me, I need to take a step back. I need to switch from being the person who's running the ship to helping run the ship. I need to help Paul out. And what an amazing person it takes to be able to take a step back and to give over something that you're running to something else. Someone says this. Someone wrote it like this. It takes more grace than I can tell to play the second fiddle well. I think we need more people in the church who are willing to keep the main thing the main thing. As a pastor, I hear all sorts of things. And at my church, sometimes I hear people fighting over what sort of music we should play. I hear people fighting over how hot the room should be, how cold the room should be. I hear people fighting about... All sorts of ridiculous things. Yet, they don't keep the main thing the main thing. At the end of the day, if we're reaching people for Christ, that should be the thing that's most important. And Barnabas was able to do that because he was able to keep the main thing the main thing, even if it meant him stepping back and allowing someone else to take and run the ship. The fifth thing that Barnabas was able to do, he was generous with his security. Barnabas surrendered to follow. Well, things were going really well for Barnabas, and, and he was kind of set up in the church in Antioch, and he liked it there. The people liked him there. The, the city liked him there. The church was growing. And I don't know about you, but something I don't really like ever, want to ever happen to me is people are like, you know what? We like you a lot, so we're going to send you away because we don't want you around here anymore. And that's kind of what happened with Barnabas. They're like, we like you so much, leave. Um, and they were like, you know what, Barnabas, we feel like God's telling you you need to move on and you need to go somewhere different. Barnabas was willing to change his plans for God, because he allowed God to be the controlling person in his life. He allowed God to plan his life instead of him. And I don't know about you, but I think the creator of all things, the master of the universe, can do a better job planning my life than I can. And when we surrender to God, when we surrender our plans to God, I believe he has much better things in store for me than I could ever plan. I believe he has much better things in store for you than you could ever plan. He has a life for you that he wants you to have, but you have to be willing to sacrifice your security and give that over to him because he has a plan for you and he cares for you. And Barnabas was willing to do that. Finally, Barnabas stood by a failure. See, many of us will know who Mark is, and he was a disciple of Christ. And Paul and Barnabas, they went off with Mark on an early on trip to go around to the churches and and help out the churches that were new and growing, And, and and Mark was along with them. It's widely believed that early on that Mark got a little homesick, and it became very homesick, and he ended up leaving Paul and Barnabas basically really high and dry. For some reason, this really, really, really irritated Paul. He wanted nothing to do with Mark. The next time they went off, Paul and Barnabas were about to go on on another trip to round to the churches. Paul didn't want Mark to come along with him. And I think it's kind of funny that this happens, that Barnabas had to be the person once again to give another person a second chance, when just a little while ago, it was Barnabas giving Paul a second chance. But Barnabas believed that God wasn't done with Mark, that God could still do things with him, and he went off and he did great things with Mark. And at some point... It must have worked out, well, we know it worked out really well, because Paul went on to say that he once again believed Mark to be a co-laborer in Christ. Barnabas did something amazing. He encouraged people. He loved people. He helped people out. And Barnabas himself reached many people directly for Christ. But if Barnabas did nothing else than encourage the two people who I talked about tonight, he did something amazing. The two people that he encouraged ended up writing much of the New Testament. The two people that he encouraged that I talked about tonight went on to found many, many churches. The power of encouragement is amazing. And I believe that probably most people in this room in some way or the other are a a spiritual great, 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 great grandchild from someone that Barnabas encouraged. God can use people like Barnabas to do amazing things. My question to you is, will you allow God to make you into a Barnabas? Will you be generous with the things that you have? Will you be generous with the time you have, the energy you have? Will you be generous with the security? Will you be generous with your friendships? And I believe we all can think of someone, probably in our family, who needs someone to be, who needs someone to be generous with their friendships with. We can probably all think of that crazy aunt or that crazy uncle who no one wants to be around. And if you can't think of that person, it's probably you. I'm just teasing you guys. <laughs> I'm sure that everyone in this room is the normal person in the family. <laughs> but seriously, it doesn't take a lot, a lot of work to find someone who needs someone to encourage them. We live in a broken world. We live in a world where there are so many people hurting. So many people need Christ. So many people reaching out to find someone to love them. And we as the church, if, if, if not the church, who then is called to be the sons and daughters of encouragement. There's so many people out there who, who are tearing people down. There are so many people out there who, who find faults, but there are not enough people. There are not enough people who are out there to building other people up, helping them find Christ and showing them God's love. And I believe that that's what we are called to do. And I know this, if the, if the Gospel Chapel is, gets known for being sons and daughters of encouragement, that we can change this community. We can change the schools that are around here. We can change your workplace that's around here. We, you can change your family. And I believe God has called all of us to do that, and they have, God has called you specifically to be a son or a daughter of encouragement. So I would love to have the privilege to pray that over you guys today. So please go ahead and pray with me. Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful day. Thank you so much that we have this chance to be here together. And thank you so much that you give us examples like Barnabas. People who you gift with the ability to encourage people. People who you gift with the ability to love people. I pray that you will give us all an extra dose of that gift, God that we'll be able to encourage the people in our lives, that we'll be able to love the people in our lives, even when it's difficult, even when someone has made their own mistakes, even when someone is friendless, that you will give us the gift of being a generous people, that here at the Gospel Chapel we will be known for loving others, that we'll be gen- known for being generous with the things that we have and caring more about people than caring about things. So God, thank you so much for this truth. I thank you so much that you give us the chance to be a part of your kingdom and a part of your plan for reaching this world. In all these things, I thank you. And we pray and say together, Amen.